Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you have listened to me on this podcast over the last two years or so, you know that I've been talking with people who've run for office at every level of government, uh, from U.S. Senate to local council like myself. But the main message throughout all of that is to encourage other people to run for office. And I'm excited to go back to New York State, a place I really haven't talked to um, in a while, even though I've talked to someone in every state. And I'm going to talk with my new best friend. I have a lot of best friends now, Dominic Frangillo. And he's going to talk about his experience running for and being in office. Not only that, about his experience encouraging others to run, inspiring people to become civic leaders, and to especially important to me and for this conversation today, um, getting elected officials to care about climate change. And I think that hopefully at the end of this, you will not only consider thinking about running for office and the importance of doing that, but you will consider, you know, if you are in office, making climate change a priority at all levels of government, or if you're not in office, making sure those who are in power are taking it seriously. So uh, with that in mind, Dominic, thanks for talking today. Thanks, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you're there. I'm here. Um, But... uh, you actually talked to one of my other guests today, um, Utah Senator uh, Derek Kitchen, right? You are, you're making the rounds, talking to people about the importance of climate issues and the environment all the time, right? Absolutely. We uh, organize, uh, we're a network of elected officials to protect America as a network of state and local elected officials across the country who are passionate and committed to protecting our planet, our people uh, from the climate emergency, protecting our land and water and ensuring environmental justice. So we are building a, a national movement of public servants to step up as, as leaders, as uh, heroes for their community and as stewards to protect our future. So it's exciting to get to work with so many public servants uh, like yourself across the country. So you are a, uh, someone who ran for office in Caroline, New York, right? So, and you were the youngest person ever elected at that time a few years back, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we are a rural community. Uh, you know, we've had old timers in our community. We, we uh, call them. I've been there for seven generations farming the, the same property. We live on roads named after their ancestors and have a lot of newcomers, too, that mm-hmm. have moved in town, built off-the-grid homes, and uh, really brought in the, the ethic of, you know, progressive change. And so our the story of our town is really the story of our rural farming community turning into a, um, turning into a community of uh, bringing people together around a common vision of, uh, you know, clean energy independence, local sustainability. And uh, it was, it's a beautiful place to, to have grown up, grown up and, uh, um, and it's also been interesting to see the town change over time. The climate crisis, uh, you know, we used to have uh, gentle rain and now it comes in downpours to the point that the highway superintendent has to pave the roads uh, with tar just to make sure that, you know, armor the roads just so they don't wash away. The snowpack mm-hmm. getting lighter in winter. So, you know, I really saw throughout my childhood seeing how how our town was changing by these, by these global events. So that, that's what motivated me to uh, step up and, and uh, work together with others to take on these global issues from the local level. Now, as a young person, because you were 22 years old when you first ran for office, uh, was climate an important issue for you? Was that the driver for you on that level? And Because 
for a lot of people running for local office, climate is something they think about that Congress works on or maybe the state legislature or some other um, office. Um, but you and I know differently. Um, so was that a motivating issue for you even from the start? Well, I remember leaving in, in school and took some courses and classes and learning about, yeah, about the climate, um, about climate change, the climate crisis, and more importantly, what at the local level we could do. So I remember taking a class on uh, sustainable cities, green cities, and was just amazed at what's going on in Tompkins County. We actually toured around to learn what was happening in the community and how you could make a difference. And, you know, even then I thought, okay, well, um, my plan is to, you know, after school is to, I wanted to make a difference, be part of a community and solve these global challenges at a local level. So my my strategy, my plan was to go join the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. So I uh, met the met with the recruiter, was uh, all set to go to Latin America, and then one fateful night in the community center in Carolina, in Brookendale, our deputy top supervisor, was like vice mayor, came up to me and said, hey, it's been uh, great working with you, Dominic. And, you know, I was an intern on the, uh, for the planning board, putting together our first comprehensive plan, which was really inspiring to mm-hmm. see how citizens from a huge diversity among our community were, were creating a shared vision for walkable communities, you know, sustainable agriculture, uh, local farms, affordable housing, protecting our open space. And um, uh, and so he said, you know, it's great that you're joining the Peace Corps. That's There's just one problem. I'm like, what's that? He's like, you can't leave. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, well, after eight years on the council, I'm uh, stepping down and uh, uh, want you to run for my seat. And I was just like, uh I'm 21 years old. That's something that adults do. Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, but the more I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I don't need to leave the country mm-hmm. to make a difference and don't need to leave the country to be of service. And maybe I have a responsibility to give back to the community that raised me. So I chose to run and knocked on hundreds of doors and talked with uh, hundreds of people and, was the, the highest vote getter out of four people running. And um, it's been an incredible experience getting to serve in, in public office is uh, a true highlight of my life. And uh, continuing that work now, working together with elected officials around around the country has just been a real blessing uh, to work together to protect our communities, to, to step up our collective leadership and, and find our ability to work together to to turn the turn the ties on the course of history. Yeah, and you know your mentality there of you know I'm only 21 years old. It's something that adults do. You now you then obviously served in office. Um, why is it important that we get some young people to be in those positions of power, whether it's you know a local council or school board or, or even higher level? Um, a lot of young people probably think what you just said that that's something someone else does, not me. Yeah, a lot of people think that. I mean, the, the, they say you need to be asked uh, seven times or a dozen times before you run. Uh, well, I think a lot of people just don't know how much power they actually have and how much power we actually have to make a difference. And what what makes someone qualified to run? Well, they want to put the community interests of the public ahead of themselves. They want to make a difference. They want to listen. Uh, if that's you, 
you know, consider running for office. Uh, I just had this conversation with my cousin. <laughs> was uh, was considering whether or not what you know what he should do next. And uh, his name's Kobe. And uh, an opening was on the seat in the town council. And he was considering going for it, and but was afraid. You know, is this something I should do? And you know, ultimately, is are you passionate about making a difference? About serving? About being a voice for people and uh, representing the interests of everyone. And, uh, and he went for it and was elected as the, the youngest member of the town council in Franklin, Massachusetts. So uh, I guess it runs in the family. Yeah. So I, um, I think it's important to get those young people in office. And I guess from what you're, you've seen in your time as well in running that, you know, there's a, there's sometimes in these local offices a divide that's not so much Democrat versus Republican, but often um, where people who've lived there forever, people who have uh, you know older thinking, and I don't mean an age, and, it, and it's not a condemnation either. And then people who are newer to town, so that new old divide seems to be a bigger difference than just Democrat versus Republican. Did you experience that as well? Yeah, that's that was the core of our dynamic as a community. You, you know, you had people, like I said, that had been there multi generations that were uh, afraid of change, and um, and we actually saw that as our town council went in just a matter of a, a decade from all Republican to all Democrat as an example of just how much change uh, happened, and and serving in office at this kind of critical time, there's a lot of tension because people in from, you know, the urban areas had different expectations for a rural communities, rural residential, as opposed to a farming residential. In fact, our, our town supervisor, uh, Don Barber, uh, who's a farmer himself, uh, got complaints from members of the community because, uh, People were riding horses, and there was uh, horse manure on the side of the rip, and, and he farms with horses. <laughs> so he, his response to this particular constituent was, "Well, you know, the horses were here first. Mm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that that uh, says a lot about our our community. But we really made an an effort to bring people together around a positive vision, and that vision for us was about energy independence. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, climate." The climate emergency is a, is a big issue. Uh, it seems like it's in faraway places. Uh, it's not, you know, how do we make that? How do we how do we make a difference locally? And for us, that's is taking back our energy future. We don't want to be reliant on fossil fuel, uh, you know, multinational corporations um, that have no stake in our community. We, we're a rural community with a sense of rural independence. We want to be self sufficient, and so we brought people together and we. Uh, did uh, uh, actually bought where the second municipality to buy 100% wind power for our community. And then once we did that, we said, hey, what, what if we generate our own power? So that got conversations in the community going to ask the question, what would it take? And so we mm-hmm. did some pretty cool things like delivering an energy-saving light bulb to every household in our town in, in three hours and then actually scaling that up with uh, a 1,000 volunteers going door-to-door to deliver 15,000 light bulbs and energy saving light bulbs in um, three hours across seven towns. Uh, and that, you know, if every household uses the bulb that they got, that's a million dollars in energy savings right there. So it started to be a conversation around, hey, how do we return 
uh, money to people's pockets? How can we make this an economic driver for our community? And um, really building that up and, and the idea of energy generation locally. And that's uh, it's been exciting to see just how much progress uh, with community solar now and um, just how much uptake geothermal and energy efficiency has has been happening. And that really brought people together. And the, the story for me that really captures it is uh, one, uh, one neighbor of mine, constituent uh, Jim Cornell up, uh, up on the top of our road, um, you know, he lives... Uh, lives in a trailer and um, but he was tired of paying energy bills uh, to, to the company so he went online bought uh, six solar panels and then uh, put up a flagpole and, and Jerry rigged a, a wind small wind turbine on the flagpole stuck in some uh, extension cords Got, uh, a battery pack in a styrofoam box uh, car batteries um, drilled a hole connected them all together drilled a hole in the side of his trailer and connected it to his fridge I mean that and you know his friends his old timer friends would make fun of him, like, "Hey, what you got green?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't want to be dependent on these multinational corporations." So, uh, I think that's where we can find common ground together. We're like, "Hey, we want to take back." This is ultimately about democracy and self determination. We we want to we want to decide the, what the kind of future as people and as a community and as a nation that we live in. And uh, I think we're at a crossroads here with the. IPCC report, um, the, the UN Secretary General said, this is a code red for humanity. Yeah. And uh, this is about self-determination. Do we want, uh, what kind of future do we want to live on? Uh, a terrifying, uninhabitable planet or one where, you know, there's there's abundance and justice and prosperity and, and opportunity and community for all. And, and that's really uh, what the work uh, of our work moving forward is all about. Yeah, and I'm actually excited that we're talking this week with the IPCC report coming out. You get a new governor. Congrats. You get a new one every few years um, by the way that New York works, and that's exciting. Um, but I have, um, when I've talked to people on this podcast, I see that climate um, has a big impact, a visible impact on a state like Alaska. And I've talked to two state reps there who've talked about that. I have talked with people from Florida and coastal states who can talk about, you know, what um, climate might do there. Or even in some other warmer states like, um, you know, Arizona, for example. And, and that, you know, it's hot out there already, but now it's going to be, you know, an average of 98 degrees to an average of 108 degrees in a week. But for so many small towns like Caroline, like Bridgeport, where I am, what kind of impact do you think that climate change will have, not just in terms of what we can do, because you mentioned some things that you can do on a local level, and we'll get to that too, but why are, what are some of the concerns? Because some people probably see climate change and think, well, it's going to impact Florida and Alaska. Uh, you know, why should I care? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, the term climate change was, was created uh, or was promoted by a Republican pollster because it's the least alarming uh, term that we could possibly, it's very abstract, right? Um, and that was in response to the term global warming, which sounds really alarming. And, and the truth is, it is an emergency. It's a planetary emergency. It's the equivalent of uh, 500,000 nuclear weapons being de detonated uh, uh, multiple times a day in, in globally. I mean, that's the amount of energy that's being trapped by all this 150 years of 
digging all those fossil fuels out of the ground and burning them. Actually, I remember a member of Congress said, hey, this stuff has been trapped underground for tens of millions or hundreds of millions of years. I mean, it doesn't take a, a, a scientist to figure out that if you dig it up and burn it all in the matter of a few decades, something bad will probably happen. And that's exactly what we've seen with uh, all that excess heat uh, mm -hmm. is, uh, is being trapped. And actually, what's, what's really startling is the amount of heat that, that we're seeing, you know, with Portland and, and Seattle and, yeah. and um, communities in the Northwest that hit 120 degrees. And then those very same communities within 24 hours burn to the ground because of the extreme lack of moisture. I mean, that's things that are literally unheard of and they're shocking scientists. Um, you know, this, this, is, this is the result of that excess heat. What, what's, really, what's really disturbing or scary to me is that the, all, that, all the consequences that we've seen, um, the increased temperature is actually only 7% of the temperature, extra energy that's been increased is what we see on land. 93% of the increased heat is being trapped by the oceans. So we're only seeing a fraction of the heat, right? And so what's going to happen when those oceans go from a heat sink to a heat source? And things can really change quickly. If you look back at the ice core data to see how quickly yeah. the Earth's climate can change and we you know and give talks on campuses around the country uh um like to show the the ice core data and show you know this little blip in the last 10 to fifteen thousand years where the temperature has been stable and you know ask people you know what do you notice about this graph and they uh, see the temperature and co2 going up and down together it's cyclic and um, what they really notice is like hey it seems to there's a little blip where it didn't move up and down and so yeah that's the last 10 to 50,000 years, or 15,000 years. What happened in the last 10 to 15,000 years? Yeah, I go, oh, well, agriculture, uh, cities, farming, uh, civilization. It's just, it's interesting how all of human civilization just happened to develop in the last 10 to 15,000 years where we didn't need to be retreating uh, from advancing glaciers or falling, uh, rising or falling seas. So this civil planetary civilization that we live on is, is made possible by a stable climate. So when we see the CO2 levels just shooting up at just spiking, um, and the methane is even, it's even worse. I mean, every mass extinction on the planet, uh, with the exception of the asteroid that hit the dinosaurs, was preceded by an ominous spike of methane emissions. And that's exactly what we're seeing now. And so that's really what this is, uh, what's at stake is, is our planet going to be capable of supporting the civilization as we know and, and supporting a civilization based on love, based on compassion, based on empathy, based on shared values um, and uh, uh, abundance and opportunity and justice for all. So that's what this is, this is all about. And what's at stake and I think people are starting to wake up that this is an emergency um, and that's why we've been so excited to work with state and local elected officials around the country to raise their voices and say hey when there's a crisis that is not being met uh, it's up to us as elected officials to step up and to lead a solution to that problem to, to join together because we are ultimately have been elected as stewards of our community, and if we are not watching out for the, you know, the basic well-being of our communities, 
And what are we there for? And to join together to find our collective power as as families, as communities, as states, as as a nation, and and ultimately as as a planet together, that we have the power to turn this thing around if we choose to do it. And so it's up to all of us. Yeah, it sounds great. It also sounds kind of abstract when we talk about uh, global warming and climate change. And, you know, there's a lot of different things to it. Like I said, rising sea levels, infrastructure, um, you know, uh, environmental degradation. The, look what we said, the IPCC report came out this week and it, it showed that, you know, we have by 2030, the impacts of human um, civilization on human uh, carbon impact on the environment is irreversible that, you know, we're hoping to stay at one and a half degrees above normal. It's, it's, and that's hard for people to grasp because one degree Celsius doesn't seem that big of a deal to people. Um, right. So it's, it can be abstract. Now, today, as I'm recording this, um, the governor of New York is announcing he's resigning. And I say that not as a distraction, but that I, I saw that President Biden, who has made climate a big priority, was giving a press conference about the infrastructure deal, which actually will do some things on climate. And the first question about that in his press conference was about the governor of New York resigning, which has nothing to do with the, the, the most pressing things in the world. So how do we get the world, even after all this, after you know the movies, the presentations, the evidence and evidence and evidence, how do we, what are you doing to make sure that people take it seriously and make it a top priority because, you know, I've talked with people, including my congresswoman, Madeline Dean, who has it as a priority, but it seems like a lot of people are able to give it five minutes and then move on to the next thing. Right. Well, I mean, welcome to the challenge of, uh, of our civilization yeah. <laughs> um, because it seems like a faraway problem. And I thought the same thing. I was like, hey, you know, I travel around to multiple UN t climate talks and, and represented our community and, and met people from around the world. Um, you know, and, and I always thought that the climate crisis was somewhere far away. And, and then within a, a short period of time, within five years, we had two 100-year storms, mm -hmm. uh, major infrastructure damage, um, you know, millions of dollars bridge washed out that prevented our farmers from taking their goods to market. And within, uh, and also a tornado that hit our mayor's mother's house. And uh, I mean, you know, climate change, is hit, climate change, climate emergency is hitting close to home when it's hit, when it literally rips the roof off of your mayor's mother's house. Um, but I still thought, you know, hey, the front lines of this issue were somewhere else. It's, you know, it's the coal fields of Appalachia and Mount Top of Google. It's the Gulf of Mexico with BP oil spill. It's the Alberta tar sands uh, up in Canada with the, um, you know, the devastation that's happening up there. Um, and that all changed one day. Uh, I was riding my bike to down my dirt road to a council meeting in the corner. And what I saw absolutely shocked me to my core. And that was a convoy of huge, giant white trucks, painted all white, uh, massive vehicles, out-of-state plates, no markings, driving in a convoy slowly on the shoulder of the road. And... They had these giant discs on the bottom, and I knew enough to be like, uh, they're doing some kind of seismic testing. And I had this question, what are they looking for in my town? And just got this ominous hit in my gut of, 
why it was like a multinational corporate invasion in in our rural peaceful green town what are they looking for and the answer came within a year as uh in the mail uh, with uh, leases gas leases just signed here and uh, pretty soon 55 percent of our land was leased for drilling they knew exactly what they were doing went to the large landowners first got them the sign and pretty soon people started learning about this new term uh, hydraulic high volume slick water hydraulic fracturing you know, mm-hmm. with long laterals uh, fracking and started hearing of horror stories over the border of Pennsylvania, our neighbors, um, water you could light on fire, animals dying, kids getting sick and bleeding. And the more our community learned, the more uh, the more afraid they got. I had, I had a mother cry to me at a, at a community meeting, like, hey, I thought I was going to raise my kids here. I thought this was going to be where we settle, and, that, and now we're, we have to move. And that's when some in our, some in our community uh, decided that we cannot keep running from this fossil fuel industry, which is destroying our democracy, which is polluting our air, our community, our public health, that we have to take a stand where we are. We can't keep running away. So they decided to uh, resist. <laughs> they went door to door with a group of seven, uh, which turned into a group of 70 and signed, uh, had a petition delivered to the town council signed by half of all registered voters in the entire town of Caroline to prevent fracking from coming to our town. And um, our town council refused to act. I mean, this is the power of making a difference and the power of running. Uh, we were able to uh, flip the council uh, on a vote people out on that refused to act on a two to one margin and uh, an election that usually goes 50 50 mm-hmm. and we banned fracking. Uh, in the town of Caroline. And the same story was playing out town by town, village by village across the state of New York, 200 municipalities passing bans for moratorium on fracking. And um, and at this, that led me to this moment, like, okay, I'm one person in a small rural town, you know, serving my community, what can I do? And once I learned about the climate impacts, about how fracking may actually be the worst possible thing that New York could do, uh, climate, how its emissions could be even greater than coal mm-hmm. um, with all the methane uh, leakage. Um, and so I decided to, uh, I decided to, to make that one of the toughest choices, which is to leave my day job and start organizing elected officials around the state. And we uh, organized a letter of nearly a thousand elected officials from every county, all 62 counties in the state, bipartisan multipartisan uh, on a letter to the governor saying, hey, you said you'd make the decision based on the facts and the science. Well, uh, let's do those studies and make sure that we prove that fracking is safe before we allow it into our state. And to uh, his credit, um, uh, he allowed, you know, he did that public health study and found based on that, that yeah, fracking is a real threat to public health. And uh, in fact, the commissioner of public health said, I wouldn't even allow my kids to live based on what I learned, uh, and it wouldn't allow my kids and family to live in a community of fracking. So New York State became the first state in the country to ban fracking on, on public health grounds and, and inspired governments around the world to ban fracking. And uh, we continued working since then. Um, you know, most recently organizing 1,100 scientists to phase out uh, fossil fuel investments, uh, along with elected officials calling, say, hey, we need to put our money where our mouth is and, and uh, um, stop financing this industry, which is destroying our communities and uh, polluting our democracy. And uh, gone coast to coast, organizing 
um, hundreds of elected officials from communities where there's drilling happening right next to schools, uh, toxic drilling mm-hmm. uh, in communities of color, and um, and nationally, we're calling for a federal climate emergency plan to uh, to phase out fossil fuels to to 100% clean energy and invest in our communities so we can uh, take on this challenge as a nation and uh, invest in our future. And so that's what we're so excited to work with folks at elected officials uh, to protect America. Um, truly inspiring leaders uh, like yourself, Tony, and many others who are stepping up as uh, as uh, leaders for our community, our nation. So from your experience, we want people to run for office. And a lot, of, again, a lot of people on a local level or even state level, they think that top issues are taxes or, um, you know, something else. They're, they're healthcare, which are very important. Don't get me wrong. Um, how, why should we be encouraging more people, especially young people like you were, um, you know, when you first ran, um, how, why should we be encouraging people to run for office today in 2021 and 2022 for council, for school board, for, you know, state rep, for everything? What, how should we use this as a clarion call to not just take climate seriously, but to run for office on this issue? Well, it's because, um, as you know, we have way more power than we realize. And mm-hmm. you know, by joining together with, with others and serving in public office, you actually have an, a, an ability to make a difference by leveraging the power of your bully pulpit and uh, working policy making power and um, working together with. Other communities, you know, we have the power to make difference within your community and to really help your community lead and also join together elected officials beyond your, you know, beyond your community and beyond your state to, by joining together, we can actually shift the mainstream on these issues, shift the, the, shift the political center into a direction that, that um, is going to protect public health, that's going to ensure justice and, um, ensure that we are ensuring prosperity and opportunity for, for all. And that's really the, the opportunity that we have uh, at this now more than ever. Uh, we need leadership. And so I, I encourage everyone to, to, if you haven't run yet, uh, to please consider. And if you, uh, if you have run, please, you know, in either, either case, give us, give us, drop us a line at uh, protectingamerica.net, elected officials protect America. We do have a training program for, uh, people considering running for office as well as elected officials as well. So we'd love to, to hear from you and uh, looking forward to working with you. And that's protectingamerica.net. Well, I really uh, encourage people to check out protectingamerica.net. I only learned about it recently and I think it's very important to getting local people on board. We're, we're doing that here in Bridgeport uh, and in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, I'm really proud of our county and neighboring counties because we're looking at ways where maybe we can't do so much on climate in our area, but we can encourage and help people um, in another area. So that's, um, that's something that will be, that will go far. Um, And every little bit adds up. I think that that's an important message. Now, before we go, I actually went to school in uh, New York. I think people don't realizes how big the state is it i went to school in in poughkeepsie and i was just looking up where caroline was and i thought oh it's an upstate it's probably not far from poughkeepsie and it's a three-hour drive so you know new york huge beautiful state 
with a lot of small towns like Caroline. And I imagine, Dominic, that, you know, the people who are running in all those small little hamlets across New York, um, they take their environment seriously and protecting it is a uh, number one priority, more so than a lot of people realize. Absolutely. And that was so heartening to see with the work to stop fracking and now transition off of fossil fuels is just how much elected officials around the state and really around the country are are committed to doing the right thing and doing the courageous thing, which is saying, hey, we live in this economy, which is based on something immoral, which is burning of fossil fuels, which are jeopardizing the ability of, well, current people to, to live and have a healthy life and, and certainly our children and our children's children and, and throughout potentially millions of years from now. So we have a duty to be stewards, not just of our communities, not just of our country, but also of, of our planet. And to see so many elected officials willing to do the courageous thing, willing to step up and lead on these issues, willing to take on uh, and tell the hard truths, which is we need to change uh, and we need a rapid transition off of fossil fuels to 100% clean energy. And that means uh, investing in, in our communities. And that means investing in workers which have built this nation and investing for our future as well. So that's what we're committed to do with elected officials. I'm excited to work with all of your listeners and yourself, Tony, uh, moving forward. I'm excited to work with you too. I think it's a top priority at every level of government. If you're listening, please go to protectingamerica.net. Please Google and see all of the news about the latest IPCC report on climate change. It will affect wherever you live from Alaska to Florida, from DC to Delaware, from Maine to Hawaii, and everywhere in between. Uh, this is the most important issue and will remain the most important issue for our lifetimes, no matter your age. Thank you, Dominic. And if you're listening, uh, maybe you should run for office too. Have a great one. Yes.